Bracken and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth goal for Aberdeen. Cooper puts it in with good measure. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break, and as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time, knowing that really all you got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the AFC Here We Go podcast. We have something a bit different for you tonight in that this podcast will be mostly fueled by rage and anger. And with that, we've got a couple. Of, we've got a couple of guests on tonight to join myself and, of course, Richard Hay, who's here as always. Hello, Richard. I'm always fueled by rage and anger. I know. So the first guest that's joined us tonight is uh, the man behind the Unmodern Man blog, a man you'll have heard plenty of times on this podcast before. He's no stranger to us. It's Martin Stone. How you doing, Martin? Hey Vin, not too bad. Yeah, my default setting pretty much is uh, raging anger, so uh, cheers for having me on. I'm just uh, even more angry and raging after last night than, uh, than normal. <laughs> and we're also joined by journalist, songwriter and hopefully fellow angry man, JJ Bull. Hello. Oh yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. <laughs> So last night, at Pataudry, the Rangers visited. Unfortunately, we were on the end of a 4-2 defeat. Now, Richard, let's get into the lineup. Uh, Derek McInnes will go with what was a, a central defensive three. I want to put it to you. Um, is Derek McInnes guilty of trying to be too clever with a formation? Um, I particularly want to mention the fact that for the, for the first 45 at least, Shea Logan looked like he didn't really know what his role was in that defence. I don't think it's the case of being too clever. I think he was expecting the opposition to go with two up top. I think he was expecting them to go with both Defoe and Morales uh, and with the diamond that they've been playing lately to accommodate both of those. But the thing is, the team sheets came out 75 minutes before the game, so he had that time to assess their lineup, and he would have had time to, to move Hoban to defensive midfield like he did for the start of the second half and go with a four against obviously just a one up top. Um, that on top of it being the first time Hoban and McKenna would have played together, McKenna being a bit rusty coming back into the team, it, it just didn't work. But I, am, I do think that was the reason he went with the three. As far as Logan goes, I mean, we were ruined down our right-hand side for that entire first 45 minutes. Ryan Kent absolutely dominated him, which obviously allowed um, Barisic to push up into the space because Kent pulled Logan with him into the middle and Gary McKay-Steven obviously isn't really an effective defensive cover. Playing Max Lowe further forward on the other side didn't really work either, I don't think. I mean, he's a very effective weapon attacking from left back but I don't really see that he's uh, he's got what it takes to be a proper attacking midfielder which was kind of how he was trying to be used last night in a 3-4-3 to kick off. And Martin McKenna, like Richard said, McKenna comes in. I mean, he he didn't look. He looked half fit. He looked like a guy who's missed a few games through injury, didn't he? 
Yeah, it was uh, listening to the, the radio before the game there, and uh, McInnes kind of admitted to that. He, he said that you know they hadn't been expecting him to play all week, and then just on the on the morning of the game or the, the day before the game, I think it was, he, he kind of said he was he was ready for it, and they the thought they'd take a chance and, and throw him in. But in hindsight, I think he, he did agree it was a it was a mistake. He, he looked he looked well off the pace. Um, I'm sure we'll get to the, the incidents he was involved with later on, but even. You know, even out with him, even just some of the the defending, he just looked he looked miles off it. And uh, I had an I an unfit player and a, a back three that we've we've shown a few times that we, we just can't play it. Um, he's, he's tried it a few times against Rangers in the past. As soon as I saw the team lineups, I thought oh, he's going he's going three again. Uh, I had my worries about it. You know, I've seen it in the past against Rangers that they're able to pull us about and. Get down the sides of the, the centre halves, and it was it was same again, really. Even even just with the one up with Morelos, his movement was causing us all sorts of problems. We didn't know whether to go with him, stay. It was it was painful to watch in that first half. And as Richard said, the you know the the um, the roasting that Logan got from Kent was. I felt sorry for the guy. Um, he was getting no help from Mackay Stephen whatsoever. He just looked as though he couldn't be arsed tracking back and helping him out and, and Logan was just getting torn apart so it, it looked a lot better when we went to the four in the second half and put Hoban into defensive mid but it's a bit worrying it took as long as it did to, to actually go to that it was it was pretty pretty obvious early on that the three was three wasn't working at all but you know you don't have a dog and bark yourself so I mean I'd really like to hear what JJ thought about the setup last night well see I think it makes it makes perfect sense what he lined up with. So it was a it was a back three in defensive phases when they were right back near their own box. But it was actually more of a four, um, the four with the two midfielders in front of the others. So if you've got Low and Constein both protecting the left, it means that uh, Low can track Tavernier, who is one of Rangers' most effective attacking threats. On the uh, other flank, you've got Barisic, who has one of the best crosses of a ball like I've seen, well, this season, I don't, don't want to say in Scotland ever, but he's phenomenal deliveries. So, that makes sense, having Logan on the right, um, as a wing-back rather than just a, a full-back, because it means he can get closer to Barisic, who is higher up the pitch, you know, further back at the pitch, rather than just watching them. And then there's a right-sided centre-back to look after the left-sided um, uh, forward for Rangers. It was Candias last night, I think. Oh, Kent, so it was Kent. Kent. And then, um, like, it made sense, but when they, when they moved Ferguson further forward in the second half, they, that was uh, that, that really helped, because he was getting closer to the... Um, he was attacking the 10 space quite a lot. It meant there was more of a link up towards uh, Cosgrove, because Stewart and GMS were staying wide and not really getting in as much there. And that meant there was a bit more... But I think honestly, the second half you saw it. They were just—they seemed more uh, ready for the game. They seemed more up for it. More, there was more uh, fighting spirit there, and they started even straight after I think first half kickoff. You had Cosgrove sliding in, trying to chase someone. You had players going right in hard, and I think they lost a bit of that. They, they just did that thing that Aberdeen players tend to do against Rangers and give them far too much respect in the first half, and that's really how they got into it so easily in that first half. It's not as if we hadn't started on the front foot. First five, ten minutes, Greg Stewart had a couple of looks at goal. It was certainly, you know, yeah. we weren't right on the back foot from the start. But, I, yeah, I'm interested to hear that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily 
placed the blame for the failure to deal with Ryan Kent purely at uh, Logan's door. So you reckon that Hoban should have really been much more of a, a cover against Kent than uh, on the right-hand side of that defence? Well, the thing is, like, Kent was absolutely superb last night, and he was so fired up to the point if, if uh, the defender up against him isn't quite as revved up for the game or isn't as feeling as confident as Kent is, he's going to get torn apart, which is kind of what happened. Um, I think, rather than playing the defence, I think it's because there wasn't enough people in midfield. So they won the midfield battle the whole time because they had three players who are capable of just, you know, uh, kicking it or kicking people and making the short, tidy pass and then letting the forwards and the, the full-backs do all the attacking. So they had two central defenders and then they have three central midfielders. But the attackers, really, are the full-backs and the three forwards. So their five attacking players are there and they're winning the middle of the park. They were stretching the, p- the pitch as well, making it really wide. You even see, um, I've gone back to the whole game, but they're hugging each each line to try and stretch uh, Aberdeen Park. And then... Because you just get Ferguson and Shinny in the middle in the first half. There's no block. There's the forwards and um, GMS and um, Stewart. You know they, they don't do enough really defending, but they're not there to do that. And that's why you meant to have wing backs to cover for that. But they, there's too much space in the midfield, which Rangers were dominating, which meant that they could get at us too easily. And you can see that means that defenders then have to. Like, Constant gets caught out of position a lot when this happens because he tries to step up into midfield to, to, to intercept the danger early. But if he just stayed back, it, it might be better off for everyone. But then he can't because they're getting over on the midfield too. It, it sort of makes sense in paper what they're trying to do, but if they don't, if n- not every single player is right into it and understands what's going on, it falls apart. And I think we saw that last night a wee bit as well. But it's always going to be a risk going up with two in midfield against a three. I mean, the second yeah. goal that they got last night is is absolutely about the numbers in midfield uh, before um, it opens up for, for Morelos, and it's a good finish, obviously. You know, I, I kind of know what sort of stick he would have got if he'd stuck Don Ball in that holding midfield role and we'd tried to grind it out. We spoke about it last week. But he's not going to get any credit for going for it, though, is he? Because we lost. The is, right? Rangers just have much, much better players. So for us to get a result against them, we need to... Every single player needs to have at least an 8 out of 10 with a few 10s in there, and they have to not turn up or just get scared. And they seemed a bit more up for it this time and seemed better prepared, certainly, than they were at this, the first game of the season. Remember the first game of the season we played them for Todry? They absolutely battered us. Uh, and they were unlucky to come away with a 1-1. And I think this was a much better performance, but but for those like silly McKenna mistakes, and I agree with Martin that I think he was just a wee bit. You see, it wasn't quite sharp enough. It's just like his legs didn't move as quickly as his brain wasn't even moving quickly enough at, at certain times. But um, if not for those mistakes, and had McGregor been correctly sent off and had a penalty to make it um, three all, that he could have been totally different. I think. We kind of try things and then they just don't seem to work at one time, but I don't think unnecessarily meant what you did was wrong. Yeah, I would I would agree with what you're saying there. Uh, actually, that you know it's more down to the, the individual players winning their their one on ones. Yeah. Than, than an overall formation thing. I think the the issue for me, as I said on I said on Twitter earlier on, Considine and Logan, especially for me, are are, are just not capable of getting those eight, eight nine out of ten performances anymore. Um, so many times this season for me Logan's been just exposed by anybody running at him with pace you know Kent did it to him last night the guy Jones at uh, Killy's done it a few times as well there's been others he's um, 
you know, he's obviously he's getting on a bit now. He's never been that good, even in his younger years. He's never been that good at dealing with somebody running them out of pace. He never knows whether to kind of go and engage the guy early. He ends up just backing off and backing off and letting the guy run at him. And it's, he's, he's been so badly exposed for me so many times this season. But it, it comes back to the, the lack of competition in, in that position, I think, in the, in the squad. Um, I was really surprised during January that McInnes didn't, didn't get somebody else that could challenge him there. Um, or doesn't it really seem to be coming through from a youth side either? So he's he's almost guaranteed a place there, and it, and it shows I think in a lot of his performances they're they're complacent. He's he just doesn't look up for it at all. I think somebody suggested that earlier on that we might want to be putting Hoban in there for a, a wee run. Um, to me, up it's inning innings better than, than Logan at the moment. He just looks so out of sorts and. So in a in a in a rut really, um, I think he needs dropping for for a few. Give somebody else a run in there, and and maybe just give him a, a wee kick up arse to, to see if that'll get him going again. But when you've got him on one side and, and Considine on another, and, and neither of them are um, hitting the marks, we're we're always going to struggle. I think against against the likes of Rangers and Celtic. Well, Martin, the thing, I mean, the thing with Logan is, is fairly involved. We've spoken about it a couple of times on here as well. Because in the summer, it looks like we're going to have such a, such a big rebuilding job. Probably Gary McKay Stevens gone. Probably Shinny's gone. Maybe McKenna will be sold. Now, that's probably priority positions. So Logan really, not that I'm saying he's coasting, but he doesn't have to bust a gut as much as maybe some of the other players do. There's got to be a bit of that. But I think it's the same in, in any walk of life. You know, you, you know, if you're uh, you're in a job and you're you're the only one that can do that job in the in the office or whatever, then you know you you, you can kind of get away with some uh, some bad days or some days where you can't really be arsed putting it in. So uh, it's I, I guess it's the same for him. He knows regardless of whether he has a a, a nine out of ten or a six out of ten, he's he's got to be in the side the next week. So yeah, I think. I'd like to see somebody coming in to challenge him and, you know, see if a little bit of competition can maybe get him going again. Or maybe it's just the fact that, you know, he's, he's ran his race for us, you know, he's, he's maybe lost that little bit of pace, uh, and he's, it's time that we need to, you know, think about moving him on. But he's, he's been a good servant for the club. He's, uh, you know, in flashes, he's been a, a really good player for us, but, you know, he's, he's not really getting forward so much anymore and, and putting in the, the assist that he, he was before, or, or you know, getting up the park, and he's he's really struggling defensively as well. So, you know, I, I see what you're saying. That was going to be other priority positions, but you know, another season with him at right back, it, I think teams are going to start targeting him more and more. Uh, he's he is becoming a, a weak link now, which is which is sad to see after after the, the performances he's had for for years for us. But it's uh, every every player's got a, a shelf life at the end of the day, which is that his might be. Might be coming at an end. I'm a bit wary of reading too much into this. I think every uh, fullback in the SPFL runs the risk of being turned over from time to time by a, a winger who's on song for 90 minutes. Shea Logan's also been part of a defence that kept a clean sheet at Ibrox, kept a clean sheet against at Hamden against this side. So he's had his successes this season. Um, same as constant on the other side. He can get exposed, absolutely. But so can the very best in the SPFL at fullbacks. I've seen Tierney get exposed at the SPFL. I've seen, well, we, we spoke time and time again about how Tavernier gets, uh, is poor defensively. I've always thought with Logan that he's, he's more of a wing-back than an actual right-back. Obviously, what we like to see, what McInnes likes to see when he plays a four is his fullbacks getting up the pitch. That's integral to how we attack. But... 
I've always kind of felt that it's more natural home was actually as a wing back. So it's disappointing last night he gets an opportunity and he basically gets turned inside out by Ryan Kent. But it's also the fact that your job as a full back or as a wing back is made easier if there's hard work from the people in front of you. Uh, which is probably no coincidence that his best period for the Dons came with um, a settled guy in front of him in Nam again most weeks. And the, on the other side of the pitch, you've got Andy Constantine. His deficiencies at left back were made up for by the hard work and uh, speed of Johnny Hayes in front of him. So now we all know that Guy Mackay Stephen is getting better, no question about that. But we all know that he doesn't really relish that defensive side, and it was proved last night, absolutely. So after going behind to that Morello, that first Morello goal, which we discussed there, we get ourselves back into it. A fortuitous goal, I suppose you could say. It kind of bounces and lands at Cosgrove's feet and he puts it away. Disappointing thing for me, JJ, is we only last seven minutes. I think at that point we were struggling. They were on to- they were well on top of us. To get back in the game and throw it away was was dis- really disappointing. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, obviously it's really disappointing that that's happened. But um, it's funny how... <laughs> Like that, I think the first goal that Cosgrove scores is a, it's a really well-taken goal. He's come on something mental. So the last time I spoke to you boys in this podcast, I think he was he was no use at all, and now he's the best striker of all time. So that's a, a good thing he's done. But like the way Rangers get back into this is a, it's a long kick up the pitch, take it down, and the way that um, so it's Hoban that steps up to take it down in midfield, which is weird because again they're still playing the two in midfield, and then as Rangers run forward, everyone just. It's a bit headless. It's not um, composed. This is the thing. It's everyone gets too excited and nervous, not, not taking up responsibility. You've got Shinny and Ferguson, the only ones really who were stepping up to it last night, but they were getting overrun. Um, and the way that Morelos manages to get into space is because Considine leaves his left centre back position to step up to try and take on Kent because Kent has moved away from um, the left to so come inside the pitch, and so. Then Morelos has um, space to move into where McKenna should be. McKenna can't defend both that space and the player next to him. And that just gives him that kind of half a yard to, to find the, the bottom corner. But it's a really good finish. And it brings, like, if Aberdeen had a, a player who is as good as Morelos, we'd, um, <laughs> we might have done them in last night. Like, he's really, really good, that boy. It reminded me very much of the Celtic game in December. Um, when we'd just gone back up, back on terms and we just didn't have the, the calmness and the level heads um, exactly. on yeah, the pitch to, to really just have that five minute spell where you, you just, you know, you take it easy and it was relatively close to half time that we could, and of course by half time we're, we're not just two one down, we're three one down, the game is almost gone uh, because we do, we lose our heads and, and the second goal, we spoke about it before and how it just exposed the three against two in midfield and also a kind of reluctance, perhaps, from from the centre halves to step up and, and confront. Yes, it's a it's a good finish by by Morelos. Should McKenna be closer? Should uh, the pass before McKenna? Should there be somebody in the face of that? The, the pressure on the ball was lacking a bit once they got past Graham Shinney, almost on the halfway line. Yeah, I think the, the second goal is almost a, a consequence. Uh, nobody else willing to put in the legwork that, that Shinny was willing to put in. He was he was unbelievable last night. Um, after a few indifferent games, I would say he was he was incredible. His work rate and his his energy to get around the pitch and, and close down was was really uh, a joy to see. But it, it was 
you know, once Rangers got past him, it was nobody else was really willing to do that that pressing and that that real stepping onto the ball that, that Cheney was trying to do. And ultimately, I think yeah, McKenna probably is a bit comfortable for it that he, he didn't step out and and get the pressure on um, before Morelos took the, the shot. I mean, you can't take anything away from the finishing. It was a, a cracking finish, as much as it pains me to say. Um, but yeah, there was, there was two or three times in, a, in that whole phase of play where you know we could, we'll be looking at ourselves thinking we, we could have done better. Uh, see, definitely avoidable. That whole thing, so you can see it. Once the ball gets taken down, Holman doesn't win it, right? So you, I've, got, I've got it just in front of me now. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six averaging players behind the ball and honestly about 10, 15, 20 yards to the man on the ball with no one there in the middle of the pitch. There's no midfield. Shinny, because he goes pressing all the time, is fought out. Ferguson stays back. So that means there's no one there. So Rangers can just run at you. And there's no way you can have control of the game with that. Like, there should be three in midfield. There should, it, it's all... Like, Shinny was great last night, yes. But he's always guilty of chasing the man. And that leaves a position. So if someone else isn't then filling in for him, that leaves all that space. And because there's only two of them, it's really easy just to get... So you've done like that. I, I think it's really harsh to blame McKenna for that goal. It, I really think it's Constein's fault. But it's not doing it on purpose. And McKenna's just his weight is just on his left foot, so he doesn't move his right quick enough. I don't think he expected Morelos to do that. And I think there's no players that are as really as canny and clever as a striker as Morelos at Aberdeen. So it's not as if he's training every like Rangers players will train with him every single day, and he'll probably do stuff like that. So they're a bit more wise to it. But Aberdeen, they, you know, defenders will be training against. Cosgrove, who's not quite as sharp as that kind of player. GMS is a different kind of player. But I don't think that goal happens in the second half when you've got exactly. a, a holding midfielder in there. And of course, we don't know what Graham Shinney is being asked to do. It seems a little bit daft to have Graham Shinney in there and not have him as your ball-winning midfielder, as your aggressive presser. You know what I mean? It seems such a waste of his core abilities to have him sit there and just hold his position. Again, I think a few times this season I've maybe had a sort of question mark as, as to whether Lewis Ferguson deserves to be starting week in, week out, which is ridiculous given the impact he's had at the age he is. And, you know, the fact that I don't think anyone within Aberdeen, when he signed, expected him to be a first team player. I know it's ridiculous and I know I'm being overly critical but but he's obviously learning as we go and he, he still has quite a way to go as well and it, it's a big ask it's just a big ask in the bigger games to just go with two in that midfield Do you know what though with Ferguson honestly I think he's one of the only players in that entire team who has the right mentality the winning mentality that can take Aberdeen over the line to win these sorts of games and there's a few that go a wee bit missing. I think Logan switches off a little bit in the big games. Um, Constantine just makes little positional errors because he just, he just does. And Shinny is also another of players who, you know, gets things done. But so, so too many go missing. I think Ferguson, despite the fact he's 19, right? I think, um, he is the big presence of the team. Like, you can see he gets stuck in. He doesn't let people get past him. And you'll make mistakes because he's young. Oh no, he doesn't hide. Absolutely not. And he does have a, a big game mentality, which, yeah. which again, at his age is fantastic. Not accusing him of those two things. I think those two things are core attributes and will be an important part if this site is ever able to kind of move on up. It's going to be young guys with those sort of attributes like Lewis Ferguson. It's just that he, he has pretty much started every game this season, which I'm sure nobody expected. Mm. 
this is yeah, a lot of yeah. weight on his shoulders. That's all I'm saying. And sometimes, I guess it's the price we have to pay at the budget we're at. It's a guy learning as he goes. That's that's true. But then you, you can look around Europe as well. Like there's a guy Yuri Tielemans who is who's captaining Anderlecht when he was 18. He's just going to Leicester now. Yeah. So it's similar. It, it's a different standard of or different style of football, and he's a different style of player. But he's still a midfielder, and he just started because he was good enough, and he had the right mentality, and that's exactly what they put in for. And I think it, I, I I don't know. I don't think I agree with you. I think Ferguson's fine being in that team every single week. I think the thing with Ferguson as well is that he's still trying to, or McInnes is still trying to figure out what his best position is. You know, he's, sometimes he's playing him at ten, sometimes he's playing him further back beside Shinny. Uh, and you know, I think he's he's that type of player that he's got he's got that winning mentality. He'll play wherever he's asked. He'll you know, and he'll do a job wherever he's asked. But I think for his development and uh, you know, for the good of the team, it would be good if we could kind of pin down a, a position for him and and, and let him. Properly develop in that position. I think at times he's asked to do too much. Almost, you know, he's he's, he's kind of supposed to be beside Shinny doing the closing down in the in the middle. He's asked to be get up and, and making the play behind the strikers as well. He, he looks stretched at points. You know, he looks as though he's not always sure what he should be doing. Uh, also, he, he, he had a, a heavy strap in on his knee last night as well. I noticed, which I'm not sure what the what the underlying issue was there, but there was times where he looked. As though he was struggling, I was surprised to see him, uh, you know, lasting, lasting the pace. Uh, we were the folk around about me were thinking he might be coming off after about an hour or so because he was, he looked as though he was struggling. So you know, I think he's played a lot of games for a, a young guy like that, and yeah, it's a pity we haven't got another, you know, another guy that can fill in in the middle. We're, we're pretty light in there now, um, so yeah, it's it's a lot on his shoulders, but I think he's, he's he always he always does a good job whenever he's asked to play. No doubt about that. But I'm very much looking forward to our all teenage centre midfield next year with Dean Campbell and Lewis Ferguson. <laughs> so, uh, Richard, you alluded to earlier on there. No, instead of going in, in at the break, two one down, we go in three one down. I don't want to be too critical of McKenna. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of people really digging it, digging out McKenna. Not necessarily Aberdeen fans, especially if you read social media. People are falling over themselves to to remind us about no, that'll be a damage into his to his transfer fee. You know, these kind of idiots. They're right for the the daily record and all this kind of morons are are looking to knock looking to knock him off his perch. Basically, I suppose Richard. First things first. He should, he should never be raising his hand like that in the box anyway, should he? But as far as McKenna's uh, overall abilities go, I think I'll take the word of everyone in the game that talks him up. Everyone in the game that bids for him. The Scotland national manager who made him captain at the age of uh, 21, who probably should know a thing about uh, what a central defender uh, has to have to be uh, to be good. Uh, rather than the opinion of at Jimboy1888 on Twitter. <laughs> um, the penalty kick last night, I, I mean, it's, it's offside when the ball comes in. That, that should be given. Um, as far as the actual handball goes, it's kind of become accepted that unnatural position of the hand is a, is a guiding principle in these things. But if you look at the, the laws, if you look at what IFAB says, it, that's not mentioned. Um, I mean, what it says in there is the movement of the hand towards the ball, not the ball towards the hand. Well, he doesn't move his hand towards the ball. His hand shouldn't be up. That is a bit amateur, to be doing that when a game is still going on. It's a bit like when Don Ball stopped and appealed for offside in the Cup semi against Motherwell last season. It says the distance between the opponent and the ball should be considered. And obviously there's... there's 
No, they're next to each other. When the um, header comes off Goldson, it def- basically deflects straight up onto uh, the arm of Scott McKenna. And uh, finally, the position of the hand does not necessarily mean that there's an offence. So that really does contradict what we all hear the sort of Scots uh, sports team pundits say that it's all about the unnatural position of the hand. These are going to be given. That was always going to be given as a penalty kick last night once that offside flag didn't go up. Don't get me wrong. Had it happened at the other end, we'd have been screaming for it, absolutely, and we would have expected it to be given. All I'm saying is that if a referee is looking at that dispassionately, I wonder whether it should actually be given. Yeah, even... I don't know. I think the handball's debatable. He's very naive in sticking his hand up for for offside. When when the ball's kind of bouncing around the the penalty area, it's, you know... It, it's all, he almost deserves it given against him just for how bloody stupid it was. But um, even before that, you know, we were right in line with the offside decision. And Goldson's standing a mile offside as a free kick comes in. The ball lands pretty much right on top of his head. How, you know, he couldn't be uh, flagged as offside. It's just unbelievable, you know. So, yeah, as much as it was a stupid decision from McKenna, the, the miss from the linesman not to spot the, the offside is beyond belief, really. I, you know, McKenna's hand being up would have been irrelevant if linesman had done what he was supposed to do. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a tough one to take, really, because it was, it was a pretty blatant decision that, that went against us in the first place. And so, yeah, we find ourselves 3-1 down at half-time. So, JJ, at half-time, what were your thoughts on how we could turn that around? I know when I was sitting talking, we were starting talking to my pals at half-time, it, this shows how much I know, because I thought we would take off Considine and put on McGinn. And, um, that was nowhere near what happened. So um shows what I know. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, it's a funny one, because that goal really took all the kind of... I was watching it in a there's, a, there's a London pub where um, all Aberdeen fans go to watch it, and it really killed the atmosphere. It just it feels it deflated. Um, I don't think McKenna will ever do that again, by the way. <laughs> Everyone does it once, that's his. Uh, great time to do it. The second half, like, I, th- I thought this needed to win their individual battles be, like, and, and stop showing so, so much respect to them. Just get fired in, like, take the game to them. I thought um, putting someone else in midfield was absolutely essential, and that's obviously what they did so they could get Ferguson further forward. Um, and that's the things that, that they did. And the plan maybe didn't didn't work, but second half, which is a different, far more fired-up performance. It's like they wanted to get in because they were, they were nervous. You see it in that first half. And then they got in, and then they just remembered that they're all... They finished second this many times in a row. They actually have beaten Rangers in a semi-final this season. They've beaten them at Ibrox. Like, this can happen. They need to just show up and, and turn it on. And if they just had had that in the first half, maybe did the occasion get too many players? Was it the shape? It's really hard to tell what it was. Because I think the shape might have worked had they all had that same effort level. Everyone running, everyone chasing, but sensible running. Not just... It's hard to explain what I mean, but they're... Um, it was just headless in the, in the first half a lot of the time. People weren't going, they weren't paying attention. You often see it when you play five-a-sides, that everyone will chase the ball to go... If you turn the ball over, everyone chases up the other end of the pitch and it leaves no one up the other end. And you're, just, you're, you're in goal, you're like, what the fuck? Like, why, why have you all gone? How does no one to see it? And that's exactly what they need to have in that team. 
But I mean, it worked second half, right? They were just so much better. Yeah, we had an element of control in the second half, which was completely yeah. lacking in the first. Partly that's because of the game situation. Obviously, with 3-1 down, they don't really need to do anything. Um, although we do score early enough in the first, uh, in the second half that uh, it, it perhaps should have propelled us on that bit further. Uh, but then, of course, you have the, the whole red cards uh, scenario going on, which kind of disrupts that momentum, that natural momentum, which we would have gained from having scored. As I said before, I think it's eerily similar to to the Celtic game. It's never just one thing, you know. Trying to pinpoint how we lost last night and one thing is is impossible because it's never just one thing. But yeah, that that composure, that lack of just a a game head almost, which again, given the fact that we, you know, it, it was pure game management to win those two games, one nil down in Glasgow, and yeah. we were, you know, we were tight, we were composed, we kept it together. These two performances, the home games against uh, Celtic and last night, were the opposite of that, the complete opposite of that. I think the, the one positive for me, or the big positive for me in the second half was, uh, although, yeah, I agree with what you're saying there, but we're still lacking a bit of composure. We've, we've found different ways to, to hit him on the attack. You know, One thing I've been critical of McInnes of in the past is that we're you know, too predictable, we're too easy to play against. It was too often in the past it was get a ball down the sides and, you know, look for somebody cutting in to feed Rooney. Um, second half last night, we, we, you know, we were trying different ways of getting at them. Okay, I was, I was kind of long balls up for uh, Cosgrove to flick on. I was, you know, getting the ball out to Stuart and letting him cut in and, and try and get balls across the box. And then, you know, even kind of more unfamiliar to, to what we've seen was Axel, you know, good play coming through the middle as well. I think Ferguson moved further forward and we were getting kind of balls, you know, through balls played through to to the strikers as well, Cosgrove and, and then Wilson when he came on. And it was, yeah, it was it was unusual in that we were being showed a bit more inventiveness. It wasn't just, you know, the, the one approach that we've, we've seen in the past. So, you know, ultimately, okay, we lost the game, but that was much more encouraging signs in the second half for me. You know, it actually looked as though we had a bit of a, a game plan to, to to cause them issues rather than just sticking to our plan A and, and just just doing that over and over. You've got to remember as well that like, Rangers like Morelos, they really look a bit toothless. He is a very, very, very good player and makes all the difference. So when he wasn't on, they didn't really have much about them. Like they were fair enough, they were sitting further back and they were. Um, Looking to maybe counter more, but they didn't. They lacked that movement. He's so intelligent in the final third, so he's pulling players out of the way, and by doing that, it leaves room for other players to make them look better. And uh, that's like Rangers didn't really do anything once they had ten men. We were by far and away the better team with ten. Well, you mentioned the red cards there, so well, let's get right into it then, uh, Richard. The incident obviously involving McKenna and Morelos. Bizarrely, I mean, well, I'm not, I'm not remotely surprised, but bizar- for some reason. The sheer arrogance, of course, they're appealing. Um, firstly, do you think we should be appealing? Um, well, I mean, from their point of view, hopefully it was just a ploy to try and have them available for the cup tie that they've got on Saturday. But then again, given previous decisions this season, why not? Um, I mean, it, it's a red, right? I mean, he knows precisely what he's doing. And he, there's force when he uh, stamps down on, on McKenna. Um yeah, it's been called right. As for McKenna, any contact with a face is seen as violent conduct. So that would be the SFA's get out. Because otherwise, 
The circumstances are more or less the same as the reasons for rescinding Morales' red at Pitodri back in August. So, were it not for the fact that, you know, there's a brush with the face, um, yeah, we probably should be appealing. Although, obviously, the word that came out from the club last night suggested that they were just going to take their medicine. It'll be something McKenna will learn, that even when you get your bollocks stamped on, you do not react. And it's almost impossible to do. Let's not be, let's be clear about this. Any human being, any man who gets the testicles interfered with will react. And um, it's, it's part of the learning curve. If, he, if he's going to go right to the top, which we believe he will, he's got to I try mean, and avoid getting caught up in those situations. It's going to be interesting in training as they go put the players through that process to learn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, there will be, at the top level, strikers will use absolutely everything they've got. And that's certainly something, uh, you know, I don't agree that Morales is top level at all, but it's certainly something he does in a similar vein to a lot of other top level strikers, particularly without wishing to uh, indulge in cultural stereotypes, particularly South American attackers. They seem to be very, very much about the niggle. They love it. They live for it. Yeah, I mean... On, just on Morelos, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he, I can't believe Rangers have, uh, have appealed that, that red card at all. It's, uh, he, he deserved a, a red just for being a, a wee dip the whole night, to be honest. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's up good in the Aberdeen fans after both of these goals. After the second one, he's right in front of the Merkland, you know, kind of offering out kids for a scrap. He's, he's just an absolute cretin. Uh, you know, it's just one of those guys you love to hate. Uh, he's he's thrown an elbow at McKenna at one point during the game that the refs missed as well. He's backing in every time the ball comes up to him. It must be an absolute nightmare to play against. But you know, he's he's just an accident waiting to happen. Gerard's saying after the game that they can't you know can't take that element out of his game or they'll stop him being the player that he is. But it, I mean, the guys the guys are a loose cannon. He's for all he's a good player. He's he's an absolute liability. And uh, you know, I. I, I I really hope this uh, red card that he got last night doesn't get rescinded because it just sends out a, a terrible message. I think the, the one that got rescinded earlier on in the season is bad enough, but if you can just go around kicking people in the balls from now on, then it's, uh, yeah, it's worried. <laughs> but well, you're allowed to kick them, so I mean... Yeah, that's why uh, we're it's in... It's fascinating to see what... I mean, some of, this stuff, line, yeah. some of the stuff that's happened this season with the referee, I mean, it's... Absolutely embarrassing. I talk about it on like every single week in that um, totally Scottish football um, podcast thingy. Like, every single week, there is some nuts refereeing decision, and I don't understand how, at an elite level sport, the people in charge are not elite. And it's across the board. There's not one referee that you're confident will get anything right consistently. But I think we all accept that in a game as fast and as flowing as football that it is difficult to get absolutely everything right in real time it's the disciplinary process we have now and that rescinding of that red card in the opening day has led us to where we are now directly yeah that's exactly it I mean that's the thing that makes because you lose faith in people in charge of it so you're like oh what's the point I don't understand how you're judging this that doesn't make sense to anyone who's seen it like it, it, it doesn't make sense but then on the pitch, I mean, sure enough, um, you can't get every single decision right. But that, you know, the, the free kick that led to the goal was offside, so that's one huge decision. Uh, it's, it's a very tight call, but it, it's he's very slightly offside. Yeah, it, um, it's tight, but it's also from a free kick. 
So, you know, he, he should be... He, he shouldn't have any yeah. issues about, you know, when the ball's played in. He should, it, it should be quite an easy one by offside standards because it's from a stationary ball. I agree. And uh, the, thing that, the thing that wound me up the most about the entire game was uh, McGregor not getting sent off for what, a potential leg breaker. Like, it's, it's a horrible, horrible challenge. He knows exactly what he's doing. The referee is in clear view of it as well. And I don't know whether he doesn't... If he doesn't consider that a foul, he's an idiot. If he's not blown it... What do you know, why is he not blown it? Is it because he's... Is he just not up to it? Is he mentally not strong enough to, to blow for another you know, penalty against Rangers? There's is all it, the stuff in there... There's it, so much that made any sense about it. Is it partly just that goalkeeper thing? That they have carte blanche? Is it partly that? Well, exactly. You wonder what it is. You've got to protect the goalkeeper. Is he just doing it to do all this? But he's thinking about this far too much. I want a referee to be thinking about these things all of the time so they can make the right decision. Like, it would take us a while to work out what that would be. And I'd want to have VAR to help me with that or an assistant that's of any use to help me out with that. But he's just like a guy alone in this massive world on his own trying to make decisions that he's going to end up with folk who coming around his house threatening to beat him up. <laughs> well, well, that's one thing you mentioned there. You mentioned about VAR. But even with VAR, would that mean that you know, and I'll put this to you, Martin. That the McGregor foul on Ferguson, right? I mean, is there is there there surely isn't a sane person in the world that thinks that isn't a penalty? But you then have a situation where that it's not a foul and nothing's done about it. But then Ferguson, five minutes later, leaves one in on McGregor, and it's a foul and a booking. How can how can that how can you quantify the two? I mean, is VAR wouldn't really change that surely. No, I don't, I don't think so. I think uh, I was listening to Willie Miller on the radio after the game last night, and he's he's you know sort of saying that he's seen it, he's seen the incident, and he doesn't think it's a, a foul. You know, he, he thinks the keeper's justified in putting his studs up like that to protect himself from the, the attacker that's coming in at pace. Which to me is just you know it's, it's just a bizarre. Yeah, it's like people saying, "Oh, referees are able to referee old firm games differently because of the occasion." You know, the rules are the rules, and you know it, it's it's ludicrous, really. You've seen Craig Gordon getting off with it a load of times as well, coming out of his his area and kind of karate kicking people and, and putting his legs up, because, and it, it's it's kind of allowed because he's protecting himself. So, no, I mean, in the first instance, it's it's a, it's a foul to me. It's a red card. An outfield player does that, but no. To answer answer your question about VAR, I think you're just you're moving the, the decision from one incompetent guy out on the pitch to another incompetent guy sitting in a van somewhere. So, no, to me, I don't think VAR is going to going to solve much until actually they you know get the 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 quality and the competency of the referees up to up to the level that it needs to be. Um, I, you know, I don't think somebody sitting watching it uh, on a video is going to have a, a different decision to what Madden had last night. He's seen it and he, he chose to ignore it. Uh, simple as that. Yeah, that's the point, Richard, isn't it? That it'll still be Scottish football referees that are controlling the VAR. I think we can get a little bit too tied up in the whole conspiracy thing. I think VAR gives a penalty kick for that last night. Maybe doesn't send him off. I think you could argue McGregor's in control, and that's probably why it won't be cited. It won't be. It won't be seen as a red card offence, I believe. So it won't be cited. And not what good does sighting do us now, anyway. We should have had the penalty kick on the night. Uh, forgive me for what, what I'm about to do. I will say ten Hail Marys later. But I'm a Willie Miller last night. That's nonsense. Because Ferguson's run is going nowhere near McGregor. Ferguson is not about to collide or impact with McGregor. 
Exactly. He knows exactly what he's doing and his intention, as it has been on a number of occasions already this season, is to inflict damage on the opposition player, not protect himself. So it absolutely should have been a penalty kick. It should have been spotted. It should have been 3-3. I'm not sure by the letter of law it would have been a red card because I think he had a control about the tackle. Just just to touch on your point there about VR, Richard, you know, I'm not necessarily saying conspiracy theory you are, they're out to get us or anything like that. I think I think it's more the fact that they're they're just not competent enough, you know, whether they need to go professional full time, but the, the standards are just poor, you know, Madden I've seen people saying he had a good game last night. He was for me, he got he got some decisions wrong. Yeah, it was decisions that benefited us, free kicks and corners that we were given that just never were either. So, it's, you know, yeah. I'm not saying that we're, we're being, um, you know, they're biased against us. They're just not the standards are poor, but I think a lot of that yeah. comes to do with the, with the speed of the game. The fact that maybe they're not full-time pros means they're not as quick in being able to keep up with the play. So if we have the option of getting a better quality of outcome by going for VAR, I absolutely think we should take it. Of course, we're not going to reach 100%. And what is 100% anyway? Because you can look at a, you can look at a decision and come to a completely different conclusion than I can. Like, for example, you guys presumably all think that that should have been a red last night. I'm just not sure by the letter of the law that McGregor's would have been a red. So, you know, would you be upset at that if Barr had reviewed it, given the penalty kick, but not sent McGregor off? You know, there are still going to be great areas with Barr, but I think it would considerably improve basic decision making which is is lacking at the moment I don't want it all to be too, to be all too negative about it as well so we'll try and we'll try and pick out some positives from the last night's game as well um, AJ it's two more goals for Sam, for Sam Cosgrove as you mentioned earlier last time you were on um, well we couldn't we couldn't dig him out enough um, and now he's you know, he's the greatest player that's ever put on pulled on a red shirt. Um, both of the both no not vintage goals, not great goals. Uh, both were the kind of goals that you would expect. You no, know, Adam Rooney used to score for us for fun. Um, he did have a couple other chances as well. Uh, unfor- a shame he wasn't a bit quicker when James Wilson came on. James Wilson put through like a fantastic ball for him. Um, I guess it's just Cosgrove doesn't have doesn't have that quick enough reactions to run onto the ball. But I thought he I thought Cosgrove. No, took his chance as well. Had no for what was available to him. Had a pretty decent game. Yeah, I think it's quite nice watching Cosgrove just now. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of like when you play a, a, a game like Zelda or something. So he ends up. So at the, at the start, you're absolutely useless, and you you know you're, you're getting destroyed by everyone. But gradually, you learn what the buttons are, and so, so it's like by this time next season, you'll have all the different swords, all the shields. You'll be something else, and you can see it happening. But he's really turned into quite a, a clever little player. I, I, I love that McInnes knew it as well, that he saw it, and he was able to get out of him. <laughs> I think McInnes yeah. absolutely can can bask in this as long as it's been a success because by hell did he take some criticism from from all angles on this I remember I, as, I as, him up a lot, yeah. as late as November I was saying you know I just do not see this guy as a striker I just do not see that he has the basic elements of being a striker and yeah I'm, I'm, I'm being proved wrong and I was 
I was proved wrong quite early on in that kind of run of games in December because, you know, the I think the first of them was that goal against Livingston, which was a really good striker's goal. And he's he's had a few more. Obviously, he's scoring penalty kicks now, which is which is fine. We get penalty kicks, we want to score them. See the see Easter Road on Saturday. I mean, even that first goal, Martin, you, you call it like a, an easy, straightforward goal, but you know he he's calm, and that's not a word you would have associated with him uh, three months ago. No, I think um, <laughs> I always remember back on uh, McInnes earlier on the season, he was kind of bigging up Cosgrove at the time, and uh, I remember him saying something like, you know, big Sam runs like the wind, and <laughs> it's now, it, it just seemed ridiculous at the time, but uh, he's, he's now actually kind of fulfilling that potential that uh, McInnes obviously saw in him uh, early on, but I, I mean, his, his two goals were, were good last night, as you say, you know, man, you know he, he, could have, he could have scoffed at that. Um, goal, his first goal, but he, he remained calm and, and picked his spot, which was which was good to see. But his overall plays just came on leaps and bounds as well. You know, he's uh, he's winning headers, he's winning flick-ons. Not you know, not just flicking them on to, to nowhere like he was earlier on in the season either. He's, he's he's actually you know finding runners with his flick-ons. He's he's taking the ball in a bit better. He's, he just looks. It's I mean, it can only be confidence really. You know, it's they always say how big a, a factor that is and. And uh, you know, in players' form, but he's, he just every time the ball comes up to him, he looks positive. He looks as though he's he's going to do something with it. And he's yeah, long long may continue. You know, you just hope that he's uh, he doesn't hit a, a bit of a down streak and, and loses his confidence and uh, kind of reverts back to where he was before. But no, nah, he's, uh, he's he's a man transformed, and uh, the fact he's keeping he's keeping Wilson out of the team really at the moment uh, says it all. Thing is. So he's, um, I think it's kind of relevant that he'll probably, this, this won't continue because he'll level out uh, and you can base it on his, his XG. I don't know if you're a fan of expected goals, but he'd, um, so he scores 13 the season. His XG is 7.4. So he should be around 8, 7. But the very best strikers tend to overshoot their their XG. Like um, Morelos is over his XG. Um, Brophy is actually over, over it as well. Natus is over it. So Cosgrove is um, playing superbly and will score fewer you know, per game over the season goes on, but uh, he's still right up there. He's in the top six in the whole league for goals to be expected for uh, high-value goals. I think the thing is as well, that sort of the more of a name he makes for himself, the more likely he is just to draw other defenders in and leave space for guys like Greg Stewart. I thought Greg Stewart had a really, really solid game again last night. Again, playing out wide, where we've kind of spoken about we didn't get the best out of him last time. But he's every time he gets on the ball, it's just pure silk. And it is. You said that earlier on that we don't have anyone that can conjure up a finish like Morales can. Well, Greg Stewart can, absolutely. Yeah, he's been absolutely like he what a player of the season he's been. He was phenomenal, Kelly. I think it looks like he's got a bit more confidence um, this time around, Aberdeen, and already looks like he's helped solve that kind of link between the midfield and the and the attack, which is really really important. He likes going to have ten space a bit. I don't know if he can play at the same time as May is the only thing, because May tends to be standing, normally standing. <laughs> In the exact bit of the pitch that, that um, Stuart wants to wander into, so that's something we need to work out. But I think he's been excellent, yeah. And I, what I loved about him in his first spell is still a fact that he takes such good care of the ball. Of course, yeah. I say that, 
And then we, he gives the ball away fairly cheaply for the fourth. At least I think it was him. It was the other side of the pitch. But by that point, you know, we only had two defenders on the pitch. We were totally going for it. It was like a mad two-three-four formation we had for the for the stoppage time. So it, that was a little bit disappointing that it ended on that note instead of getting a, a late equaliser. And I suppose as much as we are bigging them up for the second half response, we probably didn't test Al McGregor enough. We didn't really get the kind of clear openings and opportunities that uh, you would have hoped from um, a 35, 40 minutes that was definitely played in their half. Yeah, I think um, for me, uh, Kent obviously had a good game for Rangers, but you know after him, Stuart was the best player on the pitch for me last night. It was, I was pretty shocked to see some criticism uh, of him earlier on online. I, I thought he was, you know, with the ball at his feet, he was just, he was mesmerising. He's, he's one of those players where you... You know, you can kind of see what he's going to do, and the defender must see it as well. But he, he still can't stop it. You know, he's, he's just got this unbelievable ability. Of just gliding, gliding past people, and, and you know, do, doing the defender again and again with the same move, and they just can't seem to do anything about it. He's, you know, his final ball at times last night maybe wasn't quite where it needed to be, but just for just for that alone, you know, being able to take the ball in and, and go past players, it was. You know, it was worth the entrance uh, money alone. I, you know, if we can get him doing that more consistently and get get more bodies into the box to get get on his cutbacks, he's, he's going to be a a fearsome um, player for us for for the rest of the season. Uh, I think if he keeps up that form as well, we'll be we'll be doing well to keep him on past the, the summer. I think the other teams, uh, maybe the team we were playing against last night, actually, I've got a sneaky feeling that they might uh, might fancy him after his his contract expires in the summer. Well, I'm sure that I'm sure he probably isn't the only one. Um, I, there's, you know, at the end of the game, um, and we mentioned uh, Graham Shinney earlier on, sorry, and um, I had a f- I saw a few people suggesting that that was um, quite a good audition he had there for for what maybe a move to there in the summer. Uh, have you got any thoughts on that one, Richard? Um, not really. <laughs> I'm just, you know, still. It would be a nightmare scenario, wouldn't it? I'm still getting over last night, Martin. Please don't do this to me. <laughs> Fair enough. Then we don't need to talk about it anymore about the fourth goal. Anyway, that was, um, yeah, that was the defeat to to them. Um, it's it, it's sore. We'll we'll get another chance to get them this season. I'm I'm more than sure. Um, you know, we've done them twice already. There's all, a third time would be lovely. Hopefully, perhaps maybe in you know a, a Scottish Cup final, maybe. Um, well, we have to talk about, we've got a game coming up on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, live in the Beeb. Uh, we are playing our, our former nemesis, uh, Queen of the South. Uh, now, JJ, this is um, important that you know, we can we can dwell on last night, we can be pissed off about last night. Really important that the players don't let the disappointment drag them down. Absolutely. And Aberdeen's best chance of success is always in the Cups. So we're so close in the League Cup. Um this should be the one that we're really going for. And the thing is, right, so sure enough, we lost last night. It's a shame we lost because realistically we could, could have made second or own last night. But um, it's only five points off, Rangers. There's still what's it, 13 games left in the league. The Scottish Cup is a good way to, to get right back into it. You can keep momentum going with the cup run so you can build that again. And... Uh, I, don't, I know it's a bad loss losing to Rangers, but you have to remember, like their fourth goal was scored by a substitute who is probably on about I think he's on a, Bournemouth is on a hundred grand a week plus about forty on bonuses. 
That's, <laughs> I mean, that's mental. So and that's, been, that's coming off the bench. So to be able to actually run them that close and compete is a phenomenal... That's pretty impressive. I know it's not... People always... I get slagged off quite a bit because people say that um, Aberdeen should be winning these games and aiming to win. I, I mean, they are. But it's just that you can't win as the players are much better. Bush Cup is going to be... It's going to be our year again. have got a good feeling. As we've had every year since 1990. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a very favourable draw. I'm looking forward actually to a whole competition full of games against sides that we've absolutely arsed it against previously. Obviously, we kicked off as tennis here, Queen of sides. Maybe East Fife in the next one. God, remember that one? Penalty kicks under Craig Brown. Dunfermline two are still in the competition. Paul, oh, it, it could be just being in finally beating Celtic in a final at Hamden in May. Um, Queen of Scythe at home are a very different proposition to Queen of Scythe away this season. The last 12 uh, games away from home, they've only won two of them um, and they've lost six. So I, I think we should have more than enough to take care of things. But you've only got to look back to the Stenhouse Muir, the first game against Stenhouse Muir, to see what happens if we don't take this seriously, if we don't have the proper application and effort. And um, attitude, really, uh, is what it comes down to on Sunday. Yeah, I think uh, I can't be the only one that still, you know, wakes up maybe about once a month in a cold sweat thinking about Jackie McNamara's performance at hand in that day against Queen of the South is still giving me absolute nightmares to this day. So this will be a good one to, to win and uh, to, lay to, rest, to lay that ghost to rest finally. Um, I think, um, you know, as Richard says there, if we, if we play at our strengths in, in Kind of approach it as we should. We should be winning this one. Um, although Stephen, you know, Stephen Doby's been absolutely on fire for Queen of the South this week. I think you know um, our defence plays to, to, to its maximum, and, and we're able to take care of him. And we've got enough going forward to, to trouble a, a championship defence. So yeah, favourable, favourable draw. Hopefully, you know, after the Senegal Muir uh, hiccup, we're we're fully on it and. Treated, treated with the, the respect it deserves, and uh, get into the get into the heart for the next round. And you're right to mention it there, Richard. Obviously, they're away they're away record, uh, not great. You don't you don't we don't want to be slipping up here. We don't want to be you know taking taking the eye off the ball because the last thing we need at the moment is is another game. Maybe that hasn't impacted us. You know, we all thought December was going to be too many games in too short a space of time, but it's it's when we find our best form. Um, you always kind of get a feeling that the extra days in between always lead to a maybe unnecessary tactical tweak or two which uh, blows up in our face. However, uh, it would be a failure on our part to let this go to a replay, definitely. Uh, that's uh, our podcast for this week. Um, it's been a pleasure. We'll obviously have coverage of the game live on the Twitter feed on Sunday afternoon. Um, hopefully some of us will join us there. Um, looking forward to it. It just remains for me to thank once again Richard Hay. Always a pleasure speaking to you, Richard. Thank you. I know that's a lie, but thank you. No, it is. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> also, want want to thank JJ Bull for coming back on. JJ, obviously, um, you must have the bones of a cup final song just kind of laid out, have you? Uh, I'm not. I'm not doing it again. No, I think I'm done. That's two now. See, you say that, but you say that. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> Forget a final song, JJ, theme tune. I've already written two. Like, most people don't, don't write any. Theme tune. Oh, yeah, I've been that for ages for you. <laughs> I think the shitties, oh, I'll, I'll make a theme tune, I'll, I'll do that. 
Excellent. Thank you very Public much. Public shaming Andy. works, kids. Public shaming works. Whoever said bullying was wrong. I also want to thank Martin Stone for coming on again. Martin, it's always a pleasure having you on. Hi, always a pleasure there being invited back. Guys, I feel so much better after venting the spleen about last night. I can uh, go on with the rest of my week now. So, yeah, that's, that was our podcast for this week. Let's hope for. We'll be, we'll be in the draw for the Scottish Cup come 6pm on Sunday. Come on, you Reds.